Welcome to the drdavidmarlin.com Stable Science Podcast. I'm Dr. David Marlin, and along with a great team of experts, I'm helping horse owners and riders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. In these podcasts, we will discuss science-led research, technology, information, and advice to help you care for your horses so they may live healthier, happier, and longer lives. To support the podcast and all our research and science for horses, go to our website, www.drdavidmarlin.com, and to learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to the Stable Science Podcast for Dr. David Marlin. I'm Dr. Gillian Tabor and I am a chartered physiotherapist and I specialize normally in the treatment and the rehabilitation of horses. But uh, for this podcast, I'm going to be wearing a different hat and excitingly, I have a guest joining me. So I'm really looking forward to discussing this topic in particular. So I am a qualified as a physio to treat humans and I've covered women's health as part of my training and uh, as part of my sort of early days in the NHS. But uh, as you know, I now exclusively work with horses and small animals. So um, this is sort of a little bit out of my own topic area, hence the uh, guest that we've got to speak today. But I am a woman, I'm a rider, uh, I'm a runner, albeit a very slow one. Uh, I'm a mother of two children and I am rapidly approaching a very key part of my progress through womanhood and actually perhaps I'm there already. But uh, this podcast will be of interest to our female listeners and also I think it's going to be really useful for uh, the men if you're listening uh, because I'm sure you have women in their lives, in your lives. So I have great pleasure in welcoming Emily Plummer to the podcast. So, Emily, hello. Hello, thank you for having me. Ah, you're very welcome. So, could you introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about what we're going to talk about today? 
so I'm Emily Plummer. I would say my key uh, qualification in this is that I'm a running coach. Um, but also, like you said, I'm a woman. Um, I've experienced many of the things that we're going to talk about. And really, I took a big interest in looking at women's physiology and how our bodies are impacted by that when we want to train and perform. Um, for me, that was in running. But I do have a background in equestrian, um, so I do appreciate how our bodies can affect us when we're riding and competing. Um, and really, it was kickstarted for me after having children and trying to come back from that um, to, to my love of running and looking into all the things that my body was doing um, and how it was affecting me when I was trying to train and run. Oh, brilliant. It's really interesting, isn't it? And as a runner, well, as I say, a runner, I joke when I say a runner, I run very slowly, but actually as a, a rider, I know how much it's sort of affected me. So can I start with a few quick fire questions just yeah. to introduce what we're going to talk about and um, just uh, give us an overview. So my first question is, does the menstrual cycle affect female equestrians? Definitely. It affects all of us. Uh, easy answer. Uh, do you think riders know enough about the menstrual cycle? Um, no, I would caveat that with I hope they know enough about their own menstrual cycle, um, but potentially not enough about um, the other science that, that goes with it. Hmm. Uh, do you think coaches know enough about how it affects the riders that they're coaching? Um, no, I would say on the whole, no. Um, I would hope that Female coaches are slightly more empathetic to women um, at certain stages of their cycle. Um, and men too, I hope. But I would say that women coaches obviously have that first-hand knowledge of what it feels like to ride when they've got a period. Hmm. Do you think that actually the questions and the coaches talk about it at all? Uh, definitely not enough. I don't think any of us talk about it enough, no. No, no. I, I spoke about this with my daughter, actually, who's a teenager, and um, she looked horrified that I should ever you know, <laughs> suggest to her that she says to her instructor, oh, you know, I'm on my period. You know, she, she, yeah. she blushed and sort of went quiet. Um, and on that note, do you think that girls going through puberty think about their menstrual cycle and enough in relationship to their riding? No, Um Probably not. I didn't put two and two together literally until about four or five years ago when I started to look into this and really understand kind of what's going on um, in our bodies at, at different stages in the cycle. So I think when I was a teenage girl, um, it was really about, oh, God, the embarrassment of having a period and having to deal with that and perhaps having to tell somebody about it. And actually, um, these discussions have come at a, a timely point in our sort of progress through understanding how it affects uh, girls, uh, especially when we look at the changes that have occurred in the uniforms or the dress requirements um, for riding clubs and internationally. Certainly, I noticed on social media it first with the Australian Pony Club when they were yeah. Uh, they shared some information about a survey about girls and how they wouldn't ride during their periods. Or, oh, really? Yeah, they wouldn't want to compete because of the requirement to wear light-coloured um, jumpers. And um, so I had a, a chat about it with our pony club, and it wasn't something that I don't think had been spoken no. about much. And it certainly hasn't been mentioned by our UK pony club, although I, I know it has with our riding clubs. No, not at all. And I think... Um... I think it's so important. That's such a big part of it, you know, for girl, young girls feeling comfortable. It's only going to impact their riding. You know, they're only going to feel like 
they like you say in Australia they they don't even want to ride um, if they're having to wear light coloured jumpers and and go out at a competition and they've got their period they're just not going to want to do it so is that going to impact them you know in the long term in an equestrian career perhaps um, so I think it's really really you know a top point to discuss particularly in the big um, corporations like the Pony Club to to make sure that everyone's feeling comfortable and that people can talk about it openly. Yeah. Okay. So as part of that open discussion, then let's have um, some information about women and their physiology. So could you give us a little bit of an overview, maybe um, a little bit of a revision and perhaps a learning point (laughs) for some about our menstrual cycle and how it affects our bodies? So if we think about uh, the female reproductive cycle, um, let's start off with the hormones. So there are four key hormones um, that's are really part of the reproductive cycle in a woman you'll have estrogen and progesterone which hopefully people have heard of Um, those are the two key big ones we've also got two other hormones um, luteinizing hormone and follicular stimulating hormone and those are to do with um, kind of the development and the release of the egg into your fallopian tubes but estrogen and progesterone are the two real big ones that really do impact us a lot Um, and just to kind of revise the menstrual cycle. Um, so a woman who's having a natural cycle, so a regular um, period, re- regular menstrual cycle, not on any contraception or um, approaching menopause, they will have a cycle generally 28 days, but it can be a bit longer, can be slightly shorter than that. And if we start in the middle, um, so generally about 14 days into your cycle, you will ovulate. And that ovulation um, obviously releases the egg and that then kickstarts a rise in estrogen and progesterone. So um, those two hormones are really preparing your body for potential pregnancy. If you think about it in that way, every month um, for about 14 days, your body is preparing um, for an embryo, preparing preparing for um, a baby. So you'll get this rise in estrogen, rise in progesterone, and then about five days before you expect your period those will start to drop down um they'll peak about five days before your period that's when people might start to experience pms um then they'll drop down to day one which is when you get your period so day one of your period we generally say is day one of your cycle and at that point if you think about it your body's your body's realized okay there's no baby the hormones drop down and then um you're into your low hormone phase of your cycle. And really that's when your body's quite relaxed. Um, You might find things far less stressful. Um, And despite the fact that your period might be uncomfortable, some people experience cramping. um, Generally, that's when you may perform slightly better, you'll feel less anxious. um, And you've got better um, temperature control in your body. You've got um, lots of other benefits, like you might be sleeping better you might have a higher pain threshold during that time. Um, so that's that's the general 28-day um, cycle, as it were. Uh, yes, that does take me back to my self-lessons. <laughs> <laughs> I did personally, well, maybe a bit more, too much detail, but I was never a regular like that to actually be um, able to get work like clockwork. And to know I think it's quite happened. common. Hmm. And you mentioned about the the better performance and the the from day one to day fourteen, and um, that's interesting as well. But can I just have a um, a talk about this research and how much do we know about women and this idea of 
differences in performance around the, the cycle? Well, really, it's not been... Um, it's only been quite recent that that people have actually started to take a real um, study into what happens with our hormones, how it affects our body, and then how it might affect us in training. Um, before kind of the 1980s, women weren't really included in many studies um, because women can create so many anomalies um, and people who were conducting the studies weren't necessarily asking the right questions. They weren't saying, you know, are you on contraception? Are you um, having a normal cycle? How long is your cycle? Are you perimenopausal? You know, they weren't really asking these things. They would maybe take women into a study Um use them in a study and then realise that actually they were creating quite a lot of anomalies. So in many cases, women weren't used and men um, were often used in science studies, particularly when it came to kind of physical performance um, and fitness. So it's really only in more recent years that it's become um, more knowledge. There's been more knowledge out there and more studies specifically done into women. But even so, some of the studies have only included a limited number of women because obviously it becomes more difficult um, to get women that are all within a similar life stage and, and mm. similar point in their period to in their in their cycle. Sorry, to um, to kind of get that consistency to take to take a study take in a study. Um, so yeah, it's it's not been um, not been for a long time to be honest. I guess it adds complexity to the research because if you've got outcomes that are going to be different on day 14 to day 10, 21, yeah. then that is a variable in your you know, data collection. It, mm. it might, um, as you said, cause these anonym- anonymities. <laughs> yeah. um, so you mentioned uh, better performance. In what way might uh, a rider have better performance in the first half of their cycle, do you think? Um, so actually it might be easier to look at the second half of the cycle to understand the stresses that you might feel during that, that then you won't feel during the, the low hormone phase in the first, in the first uh, phase. So in the second half of the cycle, um, like I said, when you ovulate and those hormones start to increase, um, let's talk about estrogen to start with. So a key thing that estrogen does, it can really affect your mood. And you'll have noticed this parent of a teenage girl and I myself, when I was a teenager, I first started getting that influx of hormones. And estrogen really can make you more emotionally sensitive. It interferes with the serotonin in your brain. So the hormone that regulates your emotions and your mood. Um, So estrogen can really affect that. So what people might feel um, when they're competing or, or training and riding is that they might feel more anxious, they might feel more nervous. If you've got a competition booked in your diary and you think, oh, actually, that's going to be when I'm in my high hormone phase, you you can just recognize that. And, you know, there's not a lot you can do about it, to be honest, but um, you can recognize that and know that actually, if you're feeling, feeling more anxious on that day, it might be, okay, hang on, this could just be my hormones. I'm probably just feeling a bit stressed because of that. Um, so that's a real big one. And actually, some people have said that they can really feel a loss of mojo in the second half of their cycle. And I feel that a lot when I'm um, running and training. I get into those last few weeks of my cycle and I feel like, oh God, I'm just exhausted. I don't think I can do this. I don't know if I want to do it. Um, so many women can find that they feel more anxious, perhaps depressed in in the second half of their cycle. Um, So that's an interesting one that really might affect people when they're riding. So it really can affect how we take in our fuel. So 
perhaps more for me as a runner, but it will still affect those who are in the saddle for long days um, or maybe at a competition. Estrogen can really affect how we process carbohydrate. So you might have a really big breakfast and then start to feel more tired more quicker because your body is struggling to store that carbohydrate um, and will just use it immediately as it, as it comes in. And actually during the high hormone phase, our bodies tend to use more fat um, for energy rather than carbohydrates. So that's a really interesting one that might affect people, um, like I say, who are at big competition for a long day. So there's a few things there that I really, really want to focus on. You mentioned this anxiety and nerves in relation to hormones. And if you didn't know which part of your cycle you were in, you probably might come down on yourself quite hard about that, or you might not be able to articulate how you feel or why you feel that way to somebody else, you know, perhaps your coach potentially when, Mm. you know, maybe they're thinking, well, what's wrong with you today? You were fine last week kind of um, attitude. So uh, that to me, I think is a, a big factor. And also we know that there's a relationship with horse behavior and how a rider or a handler feels as well. Mm. So if you're not feeling like you're you know, on it particularly, whether it is even um, schooling your own horse or going out for a hack, irrespective of, you know, competing at higher level, that might affect your actual interaction with your horse. So I think that's something that, you know, we need to um, be really aware of. And I think that's it. It's more than anything. It's just the awareness, because like you say, the number of times where we will have beaten ourselves up about it and gone, oh God, you know, I'm such a rubbish rider today. Why can't I do it? And like you say, communicating that with a coach could be vital for some women who really, really are finding a particular uh, session or whatever stressful Mm. or competition stressful and actually to know, okay, hang on, what part of my cycle am I in? Perhaps it's that, perhaps, you know, I'm not just riding really rubbish today and actually um, it could just be that my cycle's affecting me. Well, if you're if you're feeling anxious, you're not riding well, I think, you know, there is a risk that that could come out as frustration and an anger, which potentially could be taken out on the horse. Mm. Um, so there is a, maybe tenuous, but there is a link to, you know, the welfare of our horses here. And I don't know about you and your riding, but there have been times when I've been working my horse and I'm going, oh, nothing is going right. And I, yeah. I've walked away, I've had to walk away. And fortunately, I've recognized that. But I, you know, know some people that wouldn't step back at that point, mm. they would try and push through it. And um, so that, yeah, that that's really interesting. That loss of mojo or that I can't do it, I'm no good kind of thing fits mm. in with that, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think this is where it's really key to point out for many women who maybe felt like that and gone, oh, mm. hang on, maybe that maybe that's what would caused it um really think about starting to track your cycles um and whether you are on contraceptive pill or you do just have a normal cycle um start tracking them and start to recognize um those those points in your cycle where actually you might be finding things slightly more stressful or you might be feeling slightly more relaxed and and feeling happier Mm. about things so i think it's really important to get to know um your cycle and how it is for you um, and understand how that can fit in with with how you're feeling. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I know that you're not a nutritionist, I'm not a nutritionist, but you were talking about fueling there and the different ways that we process carbs and fats. And I know that there has been um, some sort of looking into how equestrians fuel themselves. And 
unfortunately at our events you know there's a burger van or there's yeah. you know there's access to nothing and people don't really <laughs> eat particularly well especially on the day of the com- uh, competition if they're nervous mm. um is there any sort of a, a general advice and you know maybe linking back to coaching runners as well that you could give people on the um perhaps on the run up to a competition or something that might affect them? So the one thing that I really um, promote with my runners is really fueling for the activity that they are about to do. Um, So I'll say to my runners, look, tomorrow you've got speed session planned. It's Mm. relatively short, but it's going to be quite hard. Um, And really, I want you to think about not just eating breakfast, lunch and dinner, but thinking about how am I fueling for that exact session? So um, it might be right after breakfast. So make sure they're having whatever works for them carbohydrate wise for breakfast, making sure they've got that fueling ready to go. And then if they need to take something um, with them. So this is where perhaps if it's in the high hormone phase, I might say, you know, take some jelly babies or take a gel with you or a piece of flapjack or something to have um, a nibble on um, during their session. And then make sure that afterwards, they've got something um, to to replace those carbs that they've burnt and, and the protein as well to help with recovery. So um, really, it's less about thinking, what am I having breakfast, lunch and dinner? It's really thinking, what am I going to fuel my body with so that I can perform that session, perform at that competition to the best that I can? Yeah, well, that takes a bit of planning. So yeah. I think as well as tracking, I start to plan ahead. <laughs> yeah, and, I know. I mean, I go to yards where I, I see horses and, you know, the, the staff there, they've been on the go really early. They haven't had breakfast. They've had a coffee. They're, you know, they're eating biscuits and chocolates. And they're not thinking about fueling themselves and they might you know after they've mucked out however many horses and ridden so many horses they might have a coaching session where they you know they don't actually have the nutrients in them to be Mm. able to fuel that and especially if they're in this phase as well Mm. yeah definitely tricky I'll leave that one to you (laughs) (laughs) although same out I have gone to some yards where they all stop and they all go in for breakfast and they are looked after and that that is good but yeah I think living on sweets and Lucasade um is not you know Mm. it's not going to lead to optimum performance but um I, I completely understand it's very very tricky um and you need to really have it all planned ahead like you say and and that's not always going to be easy for someone with you know I'm I'm lucky that I just have to focus on myself I don't have to focus on an animal um to make sure that they're in in the best place as well so yeah it's definitely a tricky one and nerves as well and being able to eat when you're nervous just about to go around cross country and you don't want to be um feeling nauseous halfway Mm, around that's it about your stomach rather than your horse no oh that's a a, another topic as well isn't it (laughs) okay so Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Um, thinking about sort of women's participation and the, the the levels of elite performers, how much do you think, you know, our knowledge of women in sport and, you know, the menstrual cycle affects our ability for our, you know, our women to get to that elite level? I think, I mean, starting at grassroots, it's really um, having the knowledge there from as early as we can um, in teenage girls to know know their cycle and know how it affects them and how it can, can affect them further on down the line. Um, I think carrying that all the way up the levels would be fantastic. At the moment, I, I don't think um, the knowledge is there at all. And for people, uh, for girls when they're a teenager competing in, in whatever sport that is, to understand their cycle and understand how it's going to affect them um, and to work their training around that and maybe make considerations in their training around their cycle or, or whatever life stage they're in. I think that's only going to benefit um, them when they get up to more elite level. Do you think that the, you know, it, it's, a, I shouldn't say this, I might get shouted down, but do you think it's a limitation being a, a woman in sport? Oh, um, I'd like to say no. I feel like, it just gives us another string to our bow. Mm. Um, I think it would it would be so easy to just be consistent all the time and mm. to um, have a constant, you know, constant level of hormones, constant physical um, fitness, and, and feeling, mm. you know, relatively the same the whole time. Um, but actually, I feel like the peaks and troughs of of the cycle are really. Um, what can build quite tenacious women um, in mm. sport so I think actually it shouldn't be a negative although in some ways probably it does affect people um, I've been very lucky that my cycle um, I find it quite low-key my, my periods are never that bad I've, ne- I've never had serious cramping or anything like that so I suppose I'm looking at it from that point of view there might be women out there who do really suffer um, mm. or do have other um other issues like endometriosis, PCOS that, that affect many women, um, and they might say different. Um, but I'd like to think positively, pos- positively, and like to say no, it shouldn't affect us. And there's a massive explosion in interest in women's sport, isn't there? I mean, you've only got to look at the women's football teams and things like that. Do yeah. you know how they manage it, or is it part of their management that they have to think about? So, that? from everything that I've read and looked into actually at the elite level it does it is now being talked about I know that Mm. the women's uh, team GB ladies hockey team um, in their more recent years where they've had real success at the Olympics and Commonwealth Games they actually have openly said that they um, tell their coach um, when they get their first day of their period so the the Mm. day one they email their coach and say I've got my period today and they might communicate that to the rest of the team so that everyone can support that person and be there for them in whatever way they need they might not need that much support but everybody kind of has 
that knowledge about it and the coach knows about it and so they can accommodate accommodate that in their training and and their competing so I find that really really interesting um, that actually at elite level they are really now starting to recognize it but it's getting that to trickle down to mm. everyone else and to grassroots which at the moment I don't think it probably is well, it's, certainly it's nothing that I've heard discussed and it wasn't through my, you know, puberty or riding career and I, you know, I'm a bit older, and it, but it was all very much a hush-hush sort of em- embarrassment kind of thing. You would never share that kind of information. No. So it, it'll be, you know, it'll be fascinating to see whether that, as you said, it does trickle down to grassroots and especially to the children that we've got growing up now mm. um, through pony club and into riding, because I think it will affect them a lot. Um, then. I don't know, um, you know, the risks I think that I do see uh, with girls and riding is body image as well. And I think we're going to be talking about that um, in another um, webinar and podcast as well. Mm. But um, body image and not eating, uh, wanting to look good on your horse. um, How does that affect your menstrual cycle? So I've um, looked into this a lot. I've actually not had any... um, clients of mine that I coach um, in their running that have been affected by this but I do know of some who have openly spoken about it um, who have said that actually when they were younger training and competing was so important to them and there was this real ethos around um, not not having a period they didn't want a period because it was inconvenient and actually they seem to think I don't know why that if they didn't have a period it was better it meant that they were getting faster and they were lighter and 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 running quicker um and there just isn't the education there to say actually your period is very important and it's um, a real kind of health marker to show that you're a healthy young teenage girl um and there are parts of your cycle there the hormones in your cycle really key for things like bone strength building lean muscle mass um and if you if you lose that early on and you maybe don't get a period in your teenage years um and it takes a while to come then you might um feel the effects later on in life there might be girls who are suffering with um osteoporosis and, and other bone conditions later on in life because they just didn't have the hormones there early on and I think like you say with body image and everything we see on social media nowadays there is this real feeling that you know as a teenage girl you need to look good I mean I didn't look good at all when I was a teenage girl and I was (laughs) (laughs) riding around um when I was kind of 13, 14, that was the last thing I thought about. But I'm very aware that for many people, it is the forefront of their minds. And they do think, you know, I have to look good. Um, And they might start doing things like restricting their calories, trying to lose weight. And that then can have effect on whether or not they get a period or if they are already getting a menstrual cycle, it might stop. So it's really, really key for teenage girls and also for parents, if they can, to be aware of their cycles make sure that they are I know when you're a teenager it's not always regular but that that they are having a menstrual cycle and if they don't have one for a period of time then to go and get help with that because it is so so vital and I don't think that many teenage girls are perhaps aware of that but I don't think as a teenage girl you think about the consequences later on in life you know, you're no. not going to worry about that. And certainly you're not going to be thinking about, oh, this might affect my ability to start a family later on in life or mm. anything. You know, they're, they're focusing on 
what they're um you know that's important to them at the time which you know I understand so it's up to us really to to yeah. be an advocate and certainly I hope that you know I have the relationship with my daughter to be able to discuss it in that kind of depth um and she will be made to listen to this podcast as well so <laughs> that would be that <laughs> but then yeah thinking about sort of starting a family and you know, if if you want to, and you're lucky enough to be able to have children, and then you do. I mean, I have had two children. Um, I did ride um, uh, up sort of uh, early stages of pregnancy, and then I tried to get back on very, very quickly. I felt shocking. I felt that there was nothing in between mm. my rib cage and my pelvis, and that my all my core control had disappeared. I'd also put on weight through it as well. Um, what was your experience about coming back into sport after having your two children? So first of all, I'll say I haven't actually even sat on a horse since having children. Um, so I can't, um, put it in that perspective, but running wise, um, like you say, feeling very wobbly, Mm. like I've got no core, no pelvic floor. So for me, a big part, um, of my recovery from having children, the big issue that I had was incontinence was running um so I went I had uh my first son about four months later went to a local park run local 5k ran as hard as I could which I appreciate wasn't as fast as I used to be and that was fine I was fine with that for me I was just happy to be out got back crossed the finish line and then looked down and realized that my leggings were soaking wet and I was like oh what's happened here didn't even realize at all um and it was that that really made me think oh actually I should be doing more I should have learned a bit more about this and and spent a bit more time recovering my pelvic floor from birth so that was a big one for me and I think just mentally being in the headspace to get out and and compete and I expect that's probably the same in equestrian in that um I now have this baby I want to be with all the time and look after and having that kind of finding that mental balance between wanting to get out and do something for myself um, and get kind of my physical fitness back and do the thing that I love doing but also the balance of being at home with the baby and looking after them and actually I found that probably quite tricky more tricky than a lot of the a lot of the physical stuff yeah it's incredibly challenging and certainly in our chosen sport with horses it's very time consuming Mm. so you know you you have to have the support in place to be able to do that and I do take my hat off to those elite performers that are back out there because physically I mean I'm not an elite performer it took me a while (laughs) to get back to my previous level of um, sort of effectiveness in the saddle but as you said, you know, that that mental side of things as well as to whether I wanted to. But horses are, well, no, it's surprise anybody, you know, they are a risky sport. And mm-hmm. if you aren't strong and if you don't have the stability in the saddle, you are then putting yourself more at risk. So, you know, you have to be ready to get back on board. And I don't think there's any sort of right or wrong answer as to when that will be for no. you. Um, that's interesting you said about the incontinence um I've a bit of experience in women's health and the fact that you know we'd encourage all our postpartum mothers to start to think about it and this is what they had to do but we never really followed it up and we never um I don't think we ever spoke about it as it would be you know very very likely and I think you know the mums thought oh yeah I'll just do a you know a few little pelvic floor squeezes and I'll I'll be fine so that's possibly an area that we need a lot more 
investigation in certainly to do with riders because it's yeah. not something that I've heard about is it something yeah not something you've heard that's affected riders necessarily oh I guarantee it affects riders but um the sort of interventions or the mm. uh, advice about it I mean we have for anybody that is struggling there are specialist women's health physiotherapists that are you know that is their job so yeah. you know, please reach out to go and find somebody that knows what they're talking about um but yeah it it, it isn't spoken about as far as I've seen in, no. the, um, in the even literature or lay press. So that's something that I think we probably could investigate more. Mm, definitely. Yeah, if you think about the forces that go through a body on, on the horse, are going to be fairly similar to a runner. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yes, that's something to think about. <laughs> okay, so um, Emily, is there anything else that you'd particularly like to talk about um, that we haven't covered so far? Um, so earlier we did speak about the effects of estrogen in our cycle and how that can affect us. We talked about um, kind of the intake of carbohydrate and all of that. But actually, the other hormone that's really, really key in the cycle is progesterone. So progesterone is the one that, again, increases after you've ovulated. And that's the one that really encourages your uterus to create that lining for fertilization. So um, it's really, really key in the cycle. But what it actually does to your body is it increases your core temperature. So it might affect women thinking about riders um, riding at that time of the month when they are approaching their period um, after they've ovulated and they get that that increase in progesterone might feel hotter, particularly in the summer anyway, but start to feel feel that heat. Um, And also it can affect how you sleep. So having that increase in core temperature really might make people more sleepless, struggle to get to sleep, and so then feeling more tired. And it just kind of adds to the effects of estrogen so that in that high hormone phase, you know, you might be feeling anxious, Mm. tired, um, nervous, and it's just another thing to be aware of um, in that high hormone phase. That's really interesting. It all adds up, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, We're going to be challenged more in that high hormone phase on a number of factors yeah so yeah um then really I think in summary we are both probably very suspicious that riders aren't aware of the influence of their menstrual cycle on their uh physical situation and how they are mentally feeling Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned some things about mood um, and uh, certainly about the fueling in that sort of second half of the cycle, which I didn't know about mm-hmm. either. So I think that's um, going to be of interest to people. Um, and then, yeah, anything anything else in, in summary that you think we ought to key take home messages? I think ought- a key take home really, as I said earlier, is to track, is to, if you're having a, a normal cycle, um, having a regular period they might not be that regular but if you are having a period um, then really track it track your symptoms um, there are some great cycle tracking apps nowadays available I use one called uh, wild AI um, mm. which is fantastic and that asks you every day asks you a, a load of questions um, says it's quite quick but you can go in and say right today I think I'm at this part of my cycle and this is how I'm feeling it asks you how you slept whether you feel hot if you've trained how it felt um, and so it really can after a few months, 
create a good profile for you and really say, right, we think you're ovulating right about now. And then it gives you suggestions and says, you know, at this point in your cycle, perhaps train a little less, um, don't do too much and take it a bit easier. So just track track your cycle, see how you're feeling um, and take all of that into consideration when you are training and competing. And um, particularly, like we said earlier, if in your, you're in that high hormone phase and you're starting to feel really negative with yourself, mm. um, then just appreciate a bit more appreciate what your body is doing a bit more and communicate that with others. I think the only way we're going to improve um, the knowledge around this is by communicating it with the people around us, the people that we're competing with, our coaches, our family, whoever it is, you know, even if it's just the smallest comment of, oh God, you know, I've got my period coming, I think, and so I'm feeling a bit Mm. bit rubbish, feeling a bit low, um, then people can understand that. And I think particularly when it comes to your coaches they're just going to be more empathetic with you and hopefully get a better relationship and and better training from that well even to understand why as a stereotype I want chocolate at some time (laughs) (laughs) I think that's going to be useful yeah yeah just to echo your point about communication and just you know understanding and hopefully you know if we've got any coaches listening that you know they might be bold enough to ask you know, their um, their clients, you know, how they're feeling and if they are willing to share that information about their cycle and, you know, then if they could perhaps modify their coaching to support, um, it's not actually just performance, is it? It's actually about the social aspects and mm. the enjoyment of it at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we're feeling anxious and nervous and we don't know why and we're not getting the tune out of our horse because it's just not going well and we're blaming ourselves and that isn't you know that's not useful at all Mm. so yeah understanding where we're at and what we're doing I think is uh, really important Mm. so well thank you ever so much Emily that's really really good and um, as ever you know with these podcasts if people have got any comments or they have got any questions then please do email them in Um, we do like to have a discussion about it and you know if we've said anything that sort of hits home with you or you know you're a coach or a rider that has a viewpoint that's different to ours or you've got experiences that you'd like to share then hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do please drop us a line. But thank you very much for listening. And Emily, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and the Stable Science series. If you want to learn more about this topic and our work, head over to the drdavidmarlin.com website. Our website and community of members discuss a wide breadth of topics and the website houses thousands of articles, webinars, videos and research, all designed to help horse owners, riders, trainers and breeders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. The drdavidmarlin.com site is an independent information resource for all equestrians, a source of unbiased, science-based research. To learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.